Dun, dun, dun. Welcome to episode six of Feather and Mountain Podcast. I'm Delusions of Grendel, your veteran and uh, very biased reader. With me, as always, my good buddy Verge. Verge, how you doing? Hungover, ready to go though. Ready to go. Ready to rumble. And we're joined by a very special guest today. You may know him as Unraveling the Pattern, UTP, if you fancy. Lauren, how are you doing, my man? I am doing so well. I am not hungover, but maybe I wish I had a better night last night. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like fun. Perfect. And um, Lauren, for those who may not know you, which is shocking and surprising, um, how, why don't you give the folks a little description of who you are, what you do, how you've been, and what we can expect from you in like the next uh, couple weeks. Yeah, great. Thank you. Um, I make videos. I've made videos professionally for 15-ish years, mostly animated videos. Um, I work for a digital agency making boring medical corporate videos. And uh, <laughs> I've been a huge fan of The Wheel of Time since I started reading books as a teenager and um that was in the 90s sometime sometime around 96 97 when i got into the wheel of time um but yeah so you know i've always wanted to make a youtube channel and i love the wheel of time and then when i heard the show was coming out i think like a lot of other people i was like i gotta be making some content for this and so at the time this was maybe two years ago i thought i should i should try different youtube videos kind of sick of my day job And so I tried different YouTube videos, um, different channels, but then I reached out to Daniel Green, who's a very well-known uh, YouTuber. And in my naivete, I reached out to him thinking, oh, I'm sure he'll answer me, you know, like. <laughs> I, I, oh, bless your heart. Yeah. And I, I've now learned with only, I only have, you know, a little over 6,000 subscribers and already I'm like, how people just really come out of the woodwork to contact about stuff. And I'm usually happy to, you know, talk to people. But in this case, Daniel was very nice. He he responded. He's like, I said, I make animations. I was thinking of doing some sort of Wheel of Time animation. I was like, you know, I want to make some sort of Wheel of Time animation. What do you think? And he's like, well, sure, do it, man. I I support you. But I'd have to see, like, what you can do before I would ever do a collaboration. And I'm like, oh, well, of course, that makes sense. So then, like, a year went by. I finally made a video. And it kind of blew up overnight. I, I was kind of really surprised. I got a yeah, thousand I mean, subscribers like, in one na- day. Nablus retweeted it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure the Dusty Wheel did. I can't remember if Daniel Green did, but I know it was like it was the talking point of Twitter of Time and like Discords for that first week when you put out your video. It commanded the airwaves. Yeah, and I was. I mean, it was good timing. I think because if I were to release it today with kind of the oversaturation, I'm not sure it would be noticed the way it was, but. Really, people like Nablus really did push it. And like I said, I got a thousand subscribers in a day. I was like, this is it. This is happening. I was so, you know. <laughs> On my way to 100,000. <laughs> yeah. See you later, poor right. medical job. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, you know, like typically YouTubers take a year or two to get to a thousand, you know. And so I was like, this is, you know, people actually see that I can do things. I was really excited. Um, you know, now a year later, I'm just over 6,000. And I'm still incredibly grateful. But obviously things slowed down, you know. One day. <laughs> I got a sixth of my current subscribers. Um, but anyway, that, that, that aside, I've absolutely loved it. I personally really like talking about the metaphysics and kind of like the magic and the sort of the mystery behind some of the stuff that Robert Jordan came up with for his world, creator versus dark one, uh, the wheel itself, what is the great pattern, that stuff that really interests me. And so 
that's kind of what I focused on currently. And then I started doing this series called Watt 101, which is, you know, one of my problems is I pay too much attention to detail and I take three months to make a video. And so I realized that's not how YouTube works. And so I've kind of cut back on that. And now I'm making two to three minute videos and they're just little introductions to the Wheel of Time, very much for new time readers or new fans of the show. That's the goal. It's kind of an investment for me. They're not doing super well on YouTube, but the hope is that I'll have a nice library of videos so that when the show comes out and people start searching, you know, my stuff will pop up and it'll be spoiler free. That's the hope. So I'm having a lot yeah. of fun. It's been and great. like the play, like you've built a playlist and I'm going to link the playlist um, in the description for people to go back and watch because it is spoiler free. And I know you just released your, it was your naive video, right? Uh -huh. This past week. Um, so I think there's six videos now total for Watt like 101. like 12, 12. Oh my gosh, 12. This? <laughs> I took, it took me like six months to make three videos and I've made 12 Watt 101 videos in the last three months. So it's going well. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. So I've, I've sent those to Verge to watch. Like I said, we'll link them in the description. Um, but those videos are not so much what we're talking about today. We're talking about the incredible One Power video um, that is spoiler free. That kind of goes into more of the world building of the true source or the one power uh so if you haven't watched that video before listening to this episode pause this immediately go spend 16 minutes of your life watching that video and then hop back here um because we're basically going to expand on the 16 minutes um that lauren put into that video uh without the fantastic memes um or gifts <laughs> oh, so i have to say one thing about those videos is they're not 100 spoiler free i mean like if you're wanting to go completely blind into the wheel of time maybe stay away but they're so close to spoiler free they give a lot of I think, background I, yeah. I think you need to have a little bit like as someone that's going in completely with horse blinders on right now i think you, you need to have that so i really appreciate your video like it actually kind of put a lot more light and a lot more context into everything oh and uh, your meme game yeah strong <laughs> beyond strong uh, the fact that you got Dumb and Dumber in there made it just that much better for me. So. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I love putting in the memes, and I get complaints every time, but I'm like, I'm never going to stop. That's <laughs> part don't. of what drives Please me. Please don't. Yeah. <laughs> the memes are what drives you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if I could throw in memes in my corporate work at, at work, I would, but, you know, they don't allow that. So. <laughs> well, hopefully after season one, Amazon comes knocking on your door to help out with the VFX for season two, and then you can quit your medical job. I mean, I make jokes about that in my videos, like, come on, Amazon, hire me. But <laughs> I'm mostly giving them a hard time because clearly their marketing people are not uber nerds who are obsessed with little details the way I am. So sometimes I tear them apart in some of their teasers and other things, which, by the way, I have a teaser coming out about last week's Trollic leak, and I'm working on it like today, literally it should be done today. And I, I threw in a few memes in that one and had a good time tearing apart the Moraine CEO dress. So it should be fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, so Verge, if you you looked at the, um, the symbol of Saidine and Saidar, which was the yin yang. The yin yang, yeah. Um, so Lauren, when, uh, remember the video uh, that was just sound? Yes. Of Egwene and Perrin. Um, are you ready? Yeah. Uh, so that one, when the video is released, uh, they actually had... Um, the colors on the wrong side so the white was on the left or the right and the black was on uh the left and lauren <laughs> took to twitter and had some comments <laughs> to say and i think correct me if i'm wrong but um he who tweets with the dawn r.i.p um uh, 
may have replied to you and apologized, or I know Sarah Nakamura addressed it on the dusty uh, wheel and was like, that will not happen again. <laughs> yeah. And I was very thankful. Uh, it's really ridiculous. I mean, they'd have the white and the black flipped and they were literally rotating it and it wasn't a big deal, but I kind of pretended to make a big deal out of it. And, you know, controversy sells a little bit. Uh, and it was fun. The fact that they even responded to me was incredible to me at the time. And then, you know, we got this wave of the, the Twitter account, just responding to all of us content creators and being very involved and listening to podcasts. And it was like this incredible thing. And now just silence, right? They like, where did they go? I don't know what happened. Yeah, I um, I sent we we can touch a little bit on the news that's come out because I've sent it to Virgil because our our policy is unless it's tweeted by you know Amazon Prime, put up by cast and crew it, like we need official uh, leaks. Mm-hmm. We'll call them leaks, official drops uh, in order for Verge to see it, and we're counting the German Amazon Prime as official. Um, because that was that was a huge drop that came out. That was the one with um, Moraine or yeah. Rosamund Pike in the background. Um, and then we saw a little creature back there. So that's the video <laughs> that uh, Lauren's talking about doing more in-depth analysis on. Um, and uh, what was the other? We, well, the land trailer mm-hmm. was another big one. But when the um, German trailer, uh, Amazon trailer dropped we heard nothing from the official Amazon account in the US. Like there was no response. Whereas um, before the social media guy who ran that account uh, would have at least said something, you know, maybe made a joke, addressed it, uh, responded, but we've had silence since, um, silence I think from the account since LAN, right? Yeah, and since they, the Twitter handler got another job and left from what I understand. <laughs> yeah, so. He's now working with uh, Ryan Reynolds, so. Yeah, I guess I'd I leave. guess it's fine. Yeah, I'd leave. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, and what is it, Levon Burton? Levar Burton. Yeah. Levar Burton. Yes, and him too. So, Breeding Rainbow, Deadpool. You can't go wrong. Maybe Jeopardy. They're saying Levar Burton might be the new Jeopardy host. So, you know. Well, anyway, that's not what we came here to talk about, is it? I, I here's the thing. People always tear me apart. Not tear me apart, but in my YouTube and Facebook posts. They're like, why are you talking for 16 minutes about a four-second teaser? <laughs> and I'm like, I could easily talk for two hours about this. This yeah. is me paring it down as much as I possibly can. Like, I'm cutting out my breaths between my sentences in these <laughs> videos. <laughs> you know, like, there's so much to talk about. The, the Trolloc that was released in this latest thing, I mean, that's huge. That's a big reveal. And the fact that they that they took that teaser off after it was up for like 12 hours, that makes it even more juicy, in my opinion. So... I know. Lost I love it. And like no acknowledgement, like I said, just complete radio silence. Deleted. You know, there there is no Trolloc. <laughs> <Right>. um, <laughs> a little bit Matrix maybe level, which I wouldn't put it past Amazon, um, you know, to be running the game. But yes, you're right. That's not what we're here to talk about. Today we are here to talk about uh, the One Power. So Verge knows a little bit about it, mostly from our first episode mm-hmm. and kind of talking about it, like dabbling into it in future episodes. But um, basically, we've talked about um, the women who live on Vagina Island are in a tower. We talked about uh, lose clues, mm-hmm. sealing off the bore, mm-hmm. you know, and then we talked about um, the male half of the source being tainted. Yes. And I got more of that in the video. The video really helped uh, clarify a lot of that. So, 
Oh, good. You know, I, I always wonder if the some people are visual learners. So my goal is to kind of try to like explain things, but also show them that helps me, you know, like uh, even some of the map videos that I've done, which I would probably recommend against watching currently. There are some like battle breakdown videos that I've worked on where I didn't even understand it visually when I read the story. But looking at it visualized on a map, it all became you know, very clear to me. So my hope is that for new viewers or readers like like yourself, that my videos will help, you know. I did a hundred percent did. Yeah. It definitely helped uh, me understand the power a lot more. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so let's get into that. And Lauren, since your voice is so silky smooth um, and wonderful to listen to, why don't you kind of walk us through the true source, the origins, where it lies in the pattern and who can access it. All right. Let me just Google it really quick. No, <laughs> uh, you know, so where to begin? So there's this thing called the true source, which is sort of like the source of, it's like the energy that runs the universe. Essentially, you couldn't have um, existence without it. Uh, and and so the, there's this thing called the wheel, the wheel of time, which creates reality that we experience. And that wheel is literally churned by the true source. Humans within the world, like a very small percentage of them, I think 3% or less, yeah, 3%, at least um, in the Age of Legends. Age of Legends, yeah, then 1% after that. Yeah. Right. Hey, look at, look at you. Yeah. Exactly. There's going to be a test. I know the <laughs> test is be coming a test. at some point in time. Yeah, yeah. So some humans have this ability to sense and even tap into the true source. Um, the true source is divided into two halves, equal but opposite halves. And only females can access one half, which is called Sidar. And only mm -hmm. males can access the other half, which is called Sidene. I don't know. And I'm going to keep going. A, yeah, yeah. I'm just going <laughs> to add a caveat to that because we are in 2021. Um, those with a female soul can access Sayadar, mm -hmm. and those with a male soul can access Sayadine. So you hear that, Amazon? It's very easy to include transgender representation um, with uh, channeling. Very easy because um, the soul aspect is identified. It's not really a spoiler. I'm not going to say who tells us this in the books, but it's identified in the books that it's the soul that directs um, what uh, side of the true source you can use. Yeah, and I really, I really appreciate that. You know, I was um, even just a few weeks ago after the was it the first Moraine drop. Um, Rafe Judkins, the showrunner for the TV show, he did a Q and A. And in that Q&A, someone was asked if there would be LGBTQ and, you know, specifically trans representation in the show. And he said, well, there is that in the books and there will be in the show. That was essentially his answer. And that got yeah, me and thinking, he, how are they going to do that? Go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say, and then he like in that response, he also added a bunch of like the flags in his reply. So it was very clear that it was going to be trans. Um, I think he added the uh, the bi flag and the pride flag. There was a few other ones in there, right? And I can't remember all of them, but the trans flag was definitely included in his answer. Right. And and that, of course, you know, the trolls on the internet or the trollocks, as people called it, they were, they were uh, upset or whatever. But, and I wasn't upset, but I was a little like confused because, you know, the, the gender binary ideas of Robert Jordan's world don't really fit into our current understanding of gender and all of that. And so, you know, that's why I try very carefully to say male and female, not like man and woman or something, because, um, you know, a biological male in, we thought in the stories would channel Sidene and a biological female would channel Sidar, but even that's not exactly true. If the 
gender of the soul identifies as something differently, then perhaps that's different. And so I was like, how are they going to do this? It's so binary. I just don't understand. And I had a really great conversation with Lesby Nerdy and she helped me understand, like, it's not that difficult. If they if their soul is female, then it doesn't matter if they're in a male body. It doesn't matter if they're in a male body, right? If their soul is female, they'll channel side art. And it doesn't even need to really be addressed. You could just have transgender individuals in the white tower, for example. Exactly. It's And that's something, so we're not going to go too much into this just because um, another podcast did cover it recently. And that was Malkier Talks. Um, just It's full spoilers, unfortunately, for the series. But I am going to link that video um, if you're able to listen to full spoilers, because it is one of the best uh, podcasts I've listened to uh, about representation. So um, awesome. there was Prince A. Dolan's husband who was on it, Lesby Nerdy, um, Micah, who is our channeler on... Um, on Twitter of time and uh, Miss Sarah James, who is a trans woman. And they were talking about this representation and uh, yeah, lesbian nerdy, uh, or they, they got into the issue of trans and how it can be done and how it can be represented. Um, and it's, yeah, it, it's very easy and, and we're kind of diverging, but I did just want to really emphasize that like the soul is what determines um, your ability to channel uh the, the true source, which makes the question of um, non-binary and whether or not that's going to be addressed at all in the show um, or how or how they're going to deal with that. Because, I mean, it would be cool if you could, if you're non-binary, if there was like the dividing line, like if there was an mm-hmm. option. But I don't think um, I don't think that would play along the rules of the magic system. And speaking of the rules of the magic system. Um, the true source, I would suggest, and I know you've suggested it as well in your video, uh, Lauren, that it's a hard magic system mm-hmm. as opposed to a soft magic system. Brandon Sanderson has a great video kind of explaining the difference between the two, but, uh, do you want to kind of break it down a little bit for Verge who may not have read so much about, um, mm-hmm. the use of magic and how it's broken down and, and, and using more modern day examples of what would be a soft magic versus hard magic. Yeah, well, first of all, when I made a claim that it was a hard magic system in my video, I was a little bit misled. Uh, it turns out many people think that the one power is more kind of like in the middle. It's kind of a half hard, half soft magic system. But if we were to compare it to something like Lord of the Rings, where Gandalf just kind of, we don't understand how the magic works. He doesn't even necessarily remember half of the things that he learned. It's all very soft. Like, he eventually remembers that if he utters certain words and does certain things that maybe it works, you know? And so that's, I think, what we would consider to be a soft magic system, something that doesn't have a lot of rules. It's there almost more for convenience for the plot than actually... I'm thinking like the force as well in uh-huh. Star Wars, right? Like you just, you see, you know, Luke lifting Yoda and um, lifting his X-Wing from the bog, but you don't really understand what he's using. You know, it's connected to nature, but it's very vague about how it all works together. And then there was that horrible instance. We don't <laughs> like to speak about it with Medichlorians, um, but it's, it goes into a little bit more explanation in the Star Wars books, but it's, I don't know. It just is the power of the universe and some people can use it. Yeah, and, and the limits of your power don't really, aren't, isn't very defined. Um, it's funny you mentioned midichlorians because uh, people were so used to the force being this sort of softer magic system that when George Lucas tried to explain it with rules, people really did not appreciate that, you know, and even backtracked, like they don't really talk about it in the other prequel movies. It was just that first one, right? I I think for whatever reason that didn't go over well. 
Um, but Brandon Sanderson is a great example of a fantasy author who sets very clear rules. I mean, he treats his magic systems like science. There are just things that cannot be done and you know what the limits are. And th there are very specific rules to how the magic works, you know, um, and that's a very hard magic system. And I think Brandon Sanderson, because he sets it up that way from the start, people don't have a hard time with it. That's just the way it works and the rules make sense. And it, that's, that's how it goes. But I'm trying to think of another like really good example of a hard magic system in current media. Yeah, I, um, I know it's really tough. Cause like some movies, um, and feel free to jump in chat if you, if you have any examples of hard magic, cause I just keep going to like soft magic, um, like, uh, in in game of thrones the red priests for example yeah, how, how they can bring people back that would be a soft well, there, well there's there's harry potter and where it's the worst magic because they don't use it three quarters of the dang show but it's <laughs> kind of more hard magic i guess you'd say there's pretty set rules and everything in place for that yeah but the, there aren't like limitations necessarily there's probably no. more you can do that maybe just hasn't been figured out or discovered uh, actually literally. literally in the chat uh, Zul is saying, well, Harry Potter is soft magic. I think it's kind of half and half. Like we know that a very specific curse or enchantment does a very specific thing. And so in the, I guess in that way, it's hard magic, but it's kind of limitless what, what can be done. Right. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, no. And it's, it's, it's tough to define. And perhaps I think some of the issues with the hard magic system and showing, Oh, the magicians, uh, Freshie's saying that I actually haven't watched the show. I have read, two of the three books but that is i think more hard magic um so that might be a show uh to to check into for hard magic but it, it is difficult probably in part because it's hard to convey to the viewers what hard magic is and what the rules are and you have to be able to buy into it and understand and a lot of that i think um spe specifically in books is because you're in the head of the person who's wielding the magic so they're able to kind of explain the rules to you whereas on the tv show you're just watching like these flows mm. and you're expected to kind of piss um to pick it up without having like a big exposition drop mm. so um you know kind of kind of with that precursor and perhaps the one power falling into more of the the liminal space between soft magic and hard magic and um, let's break down you know what the one power is and how we can use it so Lauren, again, over to you. Well, you know, I liked, I liken it to like a river. It's sort of like a river of this, it's almost like a pool of power that is renewable or reusable, but people tap into it. So for example, if you're a female channeler, which is what they call people who can access or channel the one power. If you're a female channeler, through learning to concentrate and other things, you can eventually tap into this power and fill yourself with it. And Another thing that's sort of soft about the, this particular magic system is Robert Jordan, he, he sort of had in his notes certain strength identifiers, meaning, okay, certain individuals are able to use this much of the power and other individuals are only able to use this much. Um, but there's no real clear reason for that that I can see. It's just like, okay, this is a main character, so they're very powerful. And this is a minor <laughs> character, so they're not very powerful or whatever, you know. Um, he did have like a number system that's very complicated. Um, that he put together for all of that. But at the end of the day, most people can't use that much of it. And the way that, you know, Dick Mountain was made is Luz Theron used more than he was capable of using and it killed him in the process and it 
lifted the earth around him in that process because he um, filled himself beyond the brim, so to speak. Hmm. Yeah. So there's, everyone has their own limits. If you go beyond the limit, you can, um, what's called burn yourself out, uh, which means that you cut off the ability to channel forever. You can't suck, you can't touch it. It's just gone. You can no longer sense um, anyone who's wielding it either. It's, it's not, I think it's, it's not even just out of distance. It's forever erased, I believe, which is different than severing. Mm -hmm. um, or uh, you can do what Lose Clues did, which is to take so much into himself that he, he killed himself in the process while also, you know, creating like the best Egyptian pyramid, <laughs> like as his own tombstone. Right. And it literally says that like a beam from heaven came down and like hit him. Some people thought that maybe he was hit by lightning or something. But to me, it's like a representation of overextending his ability and, and the one power link just ripping open almost and created this giant earthquake, massive thing. And he died in the process. I mean, it's called Dragon Mount and that's he goes the dragon, right? It's like his grave. Pretty cool. Well, there is concept. one there is one movie that isn't maybe that well known. It's called The Covenant. And I don't know if anyone, if you've seen that or whatever. But anyways, they have a, a source of power that a certain, it's kind of like a cult brotherhood that have or whatever. But the more they use it, the more they age and the more they die. And if they overuse it, hmm. it, uh, it it kills them in time. So that's kind of what I'm getting that kind of style vibe, I guess, out of this, you know? Yeah, that those would be like, um, so Sanderson uh, in, in one of his YouTube lectures talks about like the consequences of magic. And if there's more like, you know, there needs to be consequences in order to set up a strong magic system. And that would yeah. be a good example of that. And kind of like, it is definitely setting up rules for magic and, and, you know, who can access it. And then also the implications of using that power. So that's, that's, yeah, a good example for sure. Mm -hmm. So with respect to uh, Saidin and Saidar, because they're derived from the one power, they uh, all use the same, both Saidin and Saidar use the same five powers, yes. which is not a surprise. These are like the core elements, I think, of... Literally, the fifth the fifth element is what, like, that's <laughs> what the movie is based on, these powers, yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, they can be used together, they can be used individually, they're, um, there's... I think this might be where it's a little bit softer because we don't necessarily understand why healing weaves, for example, require air, wind, and um, spirit, right? Like we don't know how they're woven together to make it happen. We just know that that's kind of a common weave for them, um, which I'm excited for the show to see because hopefully they'll do like what Lauren did in the video and use different colors for the, for the weaves. Yeah. Um, and then we can see how they go together. But again, you're not going to, you're not going to ever know, I think, just how much, it's not like a recipe. You don't know how much air is required versus like its ratio to spirit or anything like that. It's just, right. you see them go in, the magic happens, poof, your arm is no longer broken. Yeah. One of the things that Brandon Sanderson does very well, or not Brandon Sanderson, Robert Jordan does very well is he'll have weaker people or people who are still kind of learning how to channel witness someone else channel and they'll be like wow how are they doing that it's like weaving a blanket in seconds it's like taking all these threads and weaving them together and i can't even see the detail it's so amazing and there's this it's sort of observing what it can do without really understanding it which helps us i think as readers to also kind of be like yeah that's cool but i wish i 
knew more, or maybe not. I don't really want him to explain the intricacies of how all these threads go together. But anyways, it's, it's a cool concept. Um, I think that the, or I was going to say related to the threads in my video, you know, I toil over the, the visuals in my videos too much and I'm never happy with them. And the reason why I ended up choosing the colors that I did for those individual threads is because Robert Jordan was asked at one point, like, what do the threads look like? And he said, well, you know, air is yellow and earth is green and spirit is white. And, and he literally said, like, these are the colors as a channeler would see them. And I thought that was really cool that he gave us that detail. That's not in the books, but, you know, he answered a lot of questions from fans. So imagine. So, and I say this in my video, but, you know, you imagine a person like a water wheel. They're tapping into this river of the power. But once they use it, it goes back into that river. So it's kind of, that's what I mean by a renewable source of energy, reusable. I'm not sure that you could completely use up the true source. I think it's kind of like inf infinite. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I, I don't and I, I don't think that was a, an element that was really explored in the books either. I'm just trying to like you can definitely, you know, exceed your limit, which we've touched on. But um, I, I think it would just be never ending. Like if the only way I could see the one power ending is if, you know, the wheel broke itself and there was mm -hmm. then I think it would there would probably be a limit to it. But conducting kind of like the electricity that keeps it going. I think it would exist in perpetuity. Yeah. I like that. I, I like that concept that it can't be used up, you know, throughout the books, people try to like create pools of it, or they try to create, what, what, what's the word? I can't think of it, but they have like these, um, not siphons, but they have a way of like holding it temporarily to use. Oh yeah. Like the wells, the, the wells. wells. Yeah. Yeah. Things like that. But at the end of the day, like once it's used, it goes back into the universe and it can be reused. Um, so anyway, and then, uh, you have the male half, which of course was tainted by the dark one, which I don't know how much you want to get into that, but we, we got, like, I walked him through the boar strike, uh, not well, um, <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, left a lot of details out, but we can definitely talk about, um, the taint on Sidene. It was in the video as well. And just kind of like the oily nature of it and what wielders in the third age have to do to kind of get access to Sidene and what it's like, you know, touching the taint. I was going to say, the taint, the taint comment on that was a little interesting. But... <laughs> exactly. I always feel dirty. You know, I, I tried to not use the word taint in my introduction video. I said, like, corruption or something. Or I said tainted by the dark one, but I didn't want to actually say taint. I told a co-worker who had never read it, I said, you should watch this video I made. But just, I want you to know, there's this word that's used in the series that's taint. Don't just ignore that. <laughs> don't want you to get the wrong idea. And I think that made it worse by me bringing it up that way. But how can you not laugh at that? I mean, no, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so in the Age of Legends, you know, people would use the one power together, male and female. That's how they would do the most amazing things. They create these amazing uh, buildings and do all these amazing things. They could heal just about anybody. Yeah, there was no disease um, or famine really in the world because, you know, um, male and female channelers working together could cure all of that. Right. Like literally even the weather. Utopia. Yeah. Even the weather was nice. There wasn't like earthquakes and, and major storms and problems like that. Like they, they really handled all of that with the one power. And yet there were people, researchers who wanted to not have it separated. They wanted to be able to 
share that power equally between men and women. Um, and so some researchers sensed something. They thought it was a power source that both men and women could tap into because both men and women could sense it, but it was somehow outside of the pattern, which is like outside of existence, somewhere in the void of space or even outside of that, they sensed it. When they eventually tapped into it, what they did was they drilled a bore or a hole into the pattern, which I don't know if you imagine like the, if, if sort of like religiously speaking, people use veils as sort of like a symbol for something between our reality and something else, right? So it's like they drilled a hole through that veil between dimensions or something. And in so doing, the dark one was then able to influence the world through that little hole that they drilled. I mean, picture Sirius Black in uh, Order of the Phoenix when he falls back through, um, I guess it wasn't, he falls through a veil into yep. like death. So it would be like boring through that to try to get our good puppy dog back <laughs> or find out where he went. Um, so yeah, they, they drilled into that and uh, found a different kind of power, which is called the true power, which is different, very different from the true source. Although uh, first time readers especially often conflate the terms, but they're very different. And we're not going to go too much into what the true power does. Um, I am interested, kind of just side note, I am interested to see how that's incorporated into the show and how they're going to try to explain the difference between the two without just doing a mass exposition dump. Um, but we'll see. It could be done by way of flashbacks or something. Yeah, I think one thing they can do is they don't call it the true source. They just call it the source or the one power. And then you have the true power. I think they need to differentiate it in some way. I think part of the problem is as book readers, we have all these details. And we want them to explain all these things. But at the end of the day, things like, you know, non-binary individuals or true power versus one power, it's a TV show. They're probably not going to really even address it. And, and I know that worries some fans. I mean, I'm, I'm going to enjoy it either way, I think, but they're probably not going to get, not going to get too nitty gritty about some of these details. Um, I mean, even the game of Thrones, there's a lot more detail in the books than what they, you know, got through in the show exposition, not a great thing. And Robert Jordan had pages and pages and pages of it. And so that's another reason why my channel exists to try to help people understand a little bit more of the bigger picture while not feeling like they have to have an hour of exposition in the TV show, you know? Yeah. Or read through 14 books <laughs> right. a little bit and like all of his interviews after the fact. Um, so yeah, that's uh, with drilling into that and going to the bore and, um, you know, lose clues and Latra gotten a little tiff and Latra was like, I'm not going to help you lose clues. And his hundred companions went down, tried to seal the um, bore blowback um on Saeedine because the hundred companions were all male because lose clues big misogynist we know this um all his hundred companions were male so only the male half was uh tainted or perenniumed <laughs> exactly and, and uh, at the time i think they thought the taint was just temporary it was just sort of like okay the dark one had his final uh, death rattle before he was sealed away. And they were like, yeah, I'm sure this will go away. But unfortunately that wasn't the case, right? It, people, the, the men who were there, most of those hundred companions died on the spot. The few who survived went mad instantly and started just massive destruction. 
right? These are the most powerful male channelers in the world. And now they're paranoid. They think their family or other people are out to get them. I mean, they're, they're killing people. They're literally leveling cities, doing all this terrible stuff. This is what started what's called the breaking of the world, which really took the, the, this utopian society back to this more sort of medieval fantasy that we envision in the current story. Would we call, like, if we're looking at the context of the world during Age of Legends, would it be like Pangea? Maybe. Like the continent shape, and then now it's more like they, like, ripped continents apart. They ripped countries apart. They upended. They changed the terrain. Um, and this, uh, it was, a, was it 100 years? How long was the breaking? It was like 246 years or something. I don't know. I'm, I'm working on a video about that. I, but I, I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. 246 the and three months. <laughs> There's literally a website called Seven Spokes that goes into like every single thing we know about the history. And I've been trying to break that down into a video. Um, so I'm making a, like a timeline video about all of this. And it's, you know, Robert Jordan did this really fun thing where he wrote his the history of his world as if it was written by scholars in the current age who only were running off of scraps of information. And so he's like, I can't even tell you if this history I wrote is accurate because it's based on scraps of false history. Like it's kind of brilliant, but also it lets him get away with basically anything. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like inconsistencies. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so the breaking and, and what happened is, um, so the hundred companions went mad instantly, but not necessarily all male channelers went mad instantly. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, you know, the, the taint and, and, you know, for male channelers in the third age can be gradual. So it, um, it doesn't, it's always like the, it's always there, but the, how the madness impacts you changes. Okay. So male channelers, I suspect, probably would have felt the difference immediately because it's very perceptible. Um, it's like, you know, the Bow River is cascading through. But if there was a layer of like sludge on top of the river and you had to reach your hand down. Yep. I saw that, that from the video. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so you That's have exactly to... how it was described in the video. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, you can you can feel it even if. It, so, so it would have been, you would have felt it differently immediately, but for male channelers who were not at the bore when it was sealed, I, and I expect that they probably didn't know what it was or why it felt different, just that it did. Earthquake shockwave that hits you kind of really. And then, um, you know, the change comes gradually and, and it, the madness, just like the strength of Sayadine or Sayadar, and how quickly it impacts you is totally subjective there. Right. I don't, there's no formula to anticipate how long it's going to uh, take for you to go mad. You know, there's some characters in the books who have staved it off for a decade or more. There are others who um, are quite young and uh, it impacts them, you know, within a month, like almost immediately. So there's no way to really tell, um, which is scary. And which is why the breaking went on for so long because not everyone was going mad at the same time. So it was extended um, out for a number of, you know, hundreds of years and uh, some some are of the opinion that the world would have been better off if everyone had gone mad at once mm -hmm. and just gotten in and over with and then others are of the opinion that because it was dragged out over such an extended period of time it it saved the world and allowed the remnants to be able to form but you know that's that's a debate that's <laughs> you know we don't really need to get into but just 
something to think about. Yeah, one of the one of the side effects that they mentioned, aside from madness, is it's pretty gross, but uh, the men's bodies begin to rot. And it's as if their bodies are dying or decomposing as they live. And we I don't remember ever seeing an example of that in the series, maybe because you know, the madness usually came first and, and the series doesn't take place over that many years. But that's something that I think might be interesting to explore in the TV show. I actually hope too that they explore more of the madness and show different versions of it. I think in the books you see some people who hear voices, other people who see shadows, people who are paranoid. But I'd like to see a little bit more of that, more different types of you know madness or mental illness and just the devastating effects of it. So... Anyway, not good. Not good. <laughs> and then, you know, here we are 3,000 years later. Basic, so, the, so at the time of the Age of Legends, people, men and women who could channel were called Aes Sedai. And I think you've talked about that before, right? Aes Sedai are these, um, they're servants. They were people who were well respected in the community who used the one power for good. Um, after the breaking, the female Aes Sedai who were not affected by the taint began to organize and eventually they teamed up and tried their best to find and hunt down and kill or uh, sever the ability to channel from all of the male channelers. And so now 3000 years later, there's been all this other history that doesn't really matter right now, but now only female channelers are called Aes Sedai and they are sort of like political um, influencers in a lot of ways, more than, servants they don't necessarily look out for the good of the world some of them do but they're often more involved in their own little causes and things and manipulating kings and queens and that sort of stuff so that's kind of where we start there's this great distrust of Aes Sedai and especially male channelers at the start of the series yeah so definitely definitely a lot of distrust for the Aes Sedai which we've kind of touched on they also keep themselves you know, secluded away on Vagina Island. They don't venture out. They don't go to any of these small towns. They're, um, they pull the strings behind the scenes. They are the puppet masters, uh, but they don't really engage with the greater world, which kind of increases, I think, the stigma against them. With respect to male channelers, it's not something that you want to be. It's uh, deeply feared, deeply dreaded, but it doesn't impact males as a whole. So while you can have a uh, fear of male channelers, you don't have a fear of men. So that fear does not uh, a matriarchy make, um, which is an argument. I, you know, I, I, think, I think we've touched on this before, but it is an argument that's been made um, and one I do disagree with. Uh, now, I feel like Virgil and I, or I feel like Lauren and I have been talking a lot um, and Verge, I'm sure you have some questions and you've watched the video. So now why don't we just kind of turn to you and hear what you have to say um, and anything that you might still want some clarification about after, uh, you know, going through uh, the video, having this conversation. So fire away. Yeah, I think the first question easily is, would you be excited or would you want to have this power? Would it be a positive thing or a negative thing? Would it be a burden to you or not? Yeah, I think that a lot of that depends on that stigma that, that was mentioned. I mean, like you personally, I I would be excited, but uh, you know, 
but yeah, no, I think the way that it's framed in the in the series, some characters are very excited, more, most of them female, <laughs> and the ones who maybe aren't are, are male and know that they may be destined to go mad and to kill the people they love or whatever. So, I mean, I I think in that situation, yeah, that would be really tough. Um, what do you think, Delusions? I totally agree. I think it would be very difficult to find out that you're a male channeler and effectively you are doomed to go mad um, and you don't know when that's going to be. There's no real way to know when you'll be affected, but ultimately you do know that you will be impacted and you're effectively looking death right in the face, which is a terrifying notion. Well, death or <laughs> death or uh, or a life filled with emptiness, completely devoid of, of any purpose um, if you're, you know, gentled or, or severed from the true source so kind of shit you want it no no i think i'll take a pass so far and i think um going on on this topic a little bit more we can talk about sparkers versus learners the reality exists is that uh you know during the age of legends only three percent of the whole population could channel and of that three percent there was such a minute percentage i think it was like less than one percent of that three percent that would just channel regardless as to whether they learned or not they would just uh, start channeling from a very young age whether they want to or not right yeah yeah it's, it's interesting and and robert jordan said that um and i think this is in the books as well that so of the three percent less than one percent is born with it will channel whether they want to or not but of that less than one percent only one in four will survive without being trained and so the idea is if if I'm one of those very unlucky few um, who is born with the ability and no one's around to teach me, I have a one in four chance of even surviving and not dying a terribly painful death. And the people who do manage to survive that and learn on their own, um, they often don't even realize that they're able to do it. They sort of like figured out weird coping ways to do it. They often have blocks and aren't able to access it as easily as people who are trained um, and you know, it's just, it's like so rare. Um, I think in the tower, they call those people wilders, right? People who learned out in the wild. It's kind of like a derogatory term, like mudblood or something. And then you have other yeah. people, the learners who, uh, can go their whole life, can be like a 90 year old grandma and never know that they can channel, um, unless they're taught. So unless they seek out that knowledge. So typically, um, you know, if, if you are a male channeler in the third age, you might not even know that you are because it's such a minute chance that you'll be one of the sparkers who will just, you know, pick it up whether you want to or not. So there you go. A little learner sparker knowledge. What you got next, Verge? So I guess the next question would be, do you get more powerful with age or are you born with this? Are you excelling the minute you have it or... As you get older, do you get stronger and more powerful? Well, Robert Jordan uh, said that it doesn't manifest itself until you're a, a, like adolescent or young adult age. And so super young people, like there are no younglings learning, right? Because you have to kind of have gone through puberty or begun that process before that ability manifests. Um, in the series, we don't really see that with males much because I think before they would, you know, meet their quote unquote prime, they would probably die of madness or being caught by the female Aes Sedai or something. Um, 
another thing that Robert Jordan says that males and females, the way they sort of level up and eventually meet their full potential is very different. So, you know, males, it kind of comes in surges, kind of like how men kind of have growth spurts. Um, women often grow taller sooner than men, but then eventually they kind of level out, whereas men kind of have more growth spurts after that. That's kind of how Robert Jordan explains that growth between men and women as well in the one power. Yeah, and, and one thing that's that's interesting about um, women versus uh, men, or I, I should say um, female wielders and, and male wielders, uh, is that if a woman is... Uh, identify someone who can channel she can look at that person and she can sense right off the bat yeah they can like sense it ultimately how strong they will be so they can sense potential whereas uh, male channelers they can't sense potential they can only sense strength and only as they're using it like you can only detect it based on what they're doing in the moment so like if you were there when Luce Theron killed himself and created Dragon Mount then you'd go, whoa, that guy's powerful. But you might not have known that previous to that experience. Whereas the females, they can literally just be next to each other and sense, oh, she's very powerful or she's very weak, which I, I don't know where Robert Jordan's inspiration for that came from. I think often men subconsciously sort of compare themselves to each other strength wise. I don't know that women do that. I, I don't have a, a brain like that, but... <laughs> I mean, it would kind of be a weird flex to just be looking at a woman next to you and be like, mm, yes, I could outrun her. <laughs> yeah, another thing that's kind of confusing is in the books, only channelers can see the weaves or those five powers that other channelers weave. So only females can see other females channeling their weaves and only males can see the weaves of other males. And non-channelers can't see that. They just see the effect of it. So for example, if a channeler were to weave different powers together to create lightning, a non-channeler would only see the lightning. They wouldn't see the buildup to that. And so even in that recent Moraine teaser that came out where it appears like she's, something's happening around her. There's maybe the one power being used. And then there's this white flash. There's been all kinds of conversation among fans. Like, are we going to see the actual power? Are we going to see her glowing? This is another thing. Women can see other women glowing when they're using the one power, whereas men can't see that. There's all these t tiny details that I don't know how they're going to treat it in the show. My personal hope is that they just show the effects of the one power, especially in the first season. And we don't maybe see weaves of the one power unless it serves the story. Like a female is learning how to use the one power and she sees the weaves for the first time or when it's necessary to see the weaves come together to create some effect. Otherwise, I hope we just see the effects of it, if that makes sense. See, I hear what you're saying, but I also think that we'd be missing out on some prime uh, comedic material because I would just love, <laughs> you know, to have this camera view and like we initially see from the perspectives of these two channelers who are battling and they're throwing weaves at each other. It's really intense. You know, they're standing across the room, but we see, you know, for lack of a better term, the spells they're casting as they, you know, huck this ferocious amount of power at each other and deftly try to weave and, and, and outmaneuver their enemy. And then I'd love if we just pan back and we got the perspective of a janitor who just walks into the room and sees like these two channelers just staring at each other intensely doing nothing. Cause like, unlike Harry Potter, they don't even have wands or like anything dramatic. They're just, you know, effectively in a staring contest. I love it. I want it. I'm here for it. Don't know what Amazon Prime is going to do, but I'm excited. 
Yeah, kind of like uh, in those like battles between wizards in Harry Potter, where you see the spells flying back and forth between them, and you see them sort of dodging them. But then some random guy comes in, and he just sees them waving wands around like idiots. I think that would be very funny to see that. Um, I hope we do get something like that. That would be great. So I guess the big question for me is, is, is the power evil or good, the one power? Is it something that you consider that the world would look out and say this is a good thing that everyone has or is this a bad thing that everyone has good question either i mean that that depends on the intent of the user i i think that it because it's a renewable energy it you wouldn't normally associate it with maybe like corrupting or destroying things but it can be used for that purpose you know matter can be neither uh created or destroyed right i think i even said that in my video like robert jordan uses that um, to kind of say, look, things can burn or be destroyed, but that doesn't mean they disappeared. It just means they're, they were changed. So the one power is you can be used to create weapons. It can be used as a weapon, but for the most part, it's not like destructive. It's whereas it's possible that the dark one is destructive, may have the ability to completely corrupt or destroy or remove existence, which is one of the big, you know, questions of the series. Yeah, and I, I think ultimately what it comes down to is the person wielding it and their intentions. Are they, do they want to use this for good? Do they want to use it for evil? The power just exists and it's up to the person using it to decide um, good or evil. So literally like all power in the world. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then what does the public perceive the one power as, the true power, sorry? As is it uh, is it perceived as a, a negative thing? Do people in the town hear that someone has it and they run to them for help, or do they see it as a negative? Yeah, that's a good question. Imagine like living, you know, three hundred years ago, and then hearing that some lady a few towns over is a witch. I think that's kind of how people feel. It's like, ooh, that's scary. <laughs> like, talking Monty Python right now. All <laughs> right, that's li- what do you burn other than witches? Small rocks. Yeah, <laughs> a duck. I really do think that's kind of the equivalent. It's like they're seen as these scary heretics, scary individuals. They don't understand. And what we don't understand, we fear. That's that's really what it is. Well, yeah, and, and with, um, you know, you don't understand it, uh, so you fear it. I mean, we're also dealing in a in an age of carrier pigeons, um, you know, where people get their news yeah. from, like, the town scribe, you know, like the guy in Hamilton out there. Uh, reading the news every day and it's <laughs> very biased well and that's how things like that's how history is blown out of proportion right like you look at a lot of the greek mythology or anything along those lines and you actually read the actual backlog of what it was it was a guy that you know when you see the movie he's nine feet tall and in realization he was probably six foot one right and <laughs> everyone else was five two so he was a monster at that right? point. and i think like napoleon himself like was not as small as people like to put out in the world but now we've got napoleon complex because of the inflated history <laughs> I mean, that's, that's exactly it. but like you said anything you know fire was a magical moment still at this point in time right so like anything would be something that would scare you as well as excite you yeah uh, exactly and it's uh yeah so one of those things with with the lack of information and um it's the lack of education so of course it breeds fear and um it doesn't help at all when you have you know the witches in the tower just hanging out by themselves and not putting themselves in the world traveling to these backwater villages and enlightening them um you know it just allows the rumor monger uh or the rumor mill to continue to develop 
They don't know what's going on. They just know that these women hold power and um, that that power once broke the world and that it will again, right? Like that the, the dragon's coming back and shit's going to get real. Don't leave out ballads. Ballad. There's definitely a good ballad or two, I'm sure. The thing with the dragon coming back, like that's effectively a ghost story, right? Like, what, um, did you ever use to watch Are You Afraid of the Dark? And the guy was there and he was like, He'd huck something into the fire before he told the story, and the fire went poof, and it was... Gasoline. <laughs> gasoline. <laughs> Magic dust, gasoline, whatever. Um, uh, it's like that, you know, except they, they, they talked about the, you know, the Forsaken, the, um, who are all sealed um, in Shale Ghoul with the Dark One. That's kind of how, like, they end these stories so that the kids aren't freaked out. Um, and, you know, they tell them, but it's also kind of with the understanding that they won't yeah, they're just they're just ghost stories. They're not going to hurt the kids in this day and age, but it's, you know, kind of there in the back of your mind. One of those things that trickled down from 3,000 years is this, you know, myth of the dragon being reborn, the myth of the forsaken. And it still, you know, is like, I don't know. I can't think of anything that happened 3,000 years ago. Like Julius Caesar, maybe? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're literally just shepherds. They, they're they more concerned at the start of the series about the cold winter and the fact that there have been rumors that wolves have been eating people's sheep and stuff. Like, they're not really so concerned about the dragon returning. It's more like scary stories you tell your kids uh, around the campfire. You know, I don't even know how many of these people really believe any of this. But I said I are real in this world. And so they have some evidence of this stuff. And so they just want to live their lives and not have to deal with any of that. Enter your girl, my Rosamund girl. Pike. Yeah, my girl. En enter Moraine. <laughs> but going into the series, knowing nothing about it and reading those first few chapters, Robert Jordan, I think, does a masterful job of introducing all of those things through the point of view of this backwater town and all of the misinterpretations they have of history. Not many things happened 3,000 years ago that we all look back on and are like, whoa, that totally affected the world I currently live in. I mean, maybe, you know, Jesus 2,000 years ago. That's something that a lot of people look back on. But for the most part, 3,000 years ago, we don't care. But imagine something so devastating that happened 3,000 years ago that even now we all whisper about it like, oh, we don't want something like that to happen again. Like the world we live in is so much worse because of that thing that happened 3,000 years ago. And so, and so imagine these stories. I mean, even like the dragon, Luce Theron was this great hero of his age. He tried to stop the Dark One and he semi-succeeded. I mean, he did seal the Dark One away. There was a terrible cost to that. But now, 3,000 years later, people think the dragon basically is the Dark One. Like he is the reason the world was destroyed. He's the reason life sucks. And so, um, you know, they don't just, they're not just ignorant, they're scared. And they they like to blame a lot of their problems on historical figures from thousands of years before. And so they have all these misunderstandings about who the dragon is, who uh, the Aes Sedai are. They think, well, I don't care if it was male or female Aes Sedai. Aes Sedai broke the world. End of discussion. And so it doesn't matter if they're women now or whatever. I don't like them. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. Um, while the Sith may not speak in absolutes, Robert Jordan does. We know that the Aes Sedai broke the world, specifically male channelers. We know that male channelers will go insane because of the taint on Sayadeen. We 
know that the creator exists we know that the dark one exists and we don't question the basis of this existence known entities maybe part of the reason it translates down through the ages a bit more is people can take what was said at face value and not bring a difference of opinion into it the dark one and the creator and the one power are all known entities and the entire world buys into that concept sounds like they're tangible you can see it you can feel it you're you're aware it's not a a ghost story and it's not what has taken place or what might be it's actual facts exactly so you're not questioning the existence of something you know it's there yeah it's like taxes yeah that's yeah that's a good way of thinking of it now one of the weird things this is kind of tangential but one of the weird things about the wheel of time is there really aren't religions in the world of the wheel of time there are some like zealots and and factions of weirdos but everyone believes in a creator everyone believes in the dark one at least to some degree and Robert Jordan explained this by saying, well, when you have evidence of this stuff all around you all the time, like the one power, you tend to just believe it. I think he just wanted to avoid religion, frankly. I think that's a whole level of complexity he didn't want to get into. But I do think even in a world where everyone believes there's a creator, everyone believes there's a dark one, there's room for more religion and stuff. So it'll be inter interesting to see how they do that in the show. Whether you have the White Cloaks or the Aes Sedai or these different factions, maybe they'll get a little more religious with it. I don't know. I'm almost wondering if it would be more effective to not bring religion into this, just to let people have the light and the dark side. Because we really need, you know, a reason to buy into why people would join the shadow. Like, why the fuck would you sh sign up for the dark side when it's literally called the shadow and the dark one? Like, this is not... You know, this is a black and white situation. And uh, right now, I mean, the, the promise of a mortal life without any consequences. You don't know when the dragon's coming back or if he is. But in the meantime, you know, you might as well live a few millennia and, like, have a good time. I know um, Barside Chats uh, yeah. with Brian and Matt, they, they touched on this in an episode of, of why would anyone want to be a dark friend? Yeah. They, they, I, I listened to that episode just recently, actually. And one of the things they talked about is imagine seeing these horrific creatures that are servants of the dark one. And they're doing these, you would almost treat it like a spiritual experience for the people who, who are religious, almost like a, a, a moment of conversion for these people where they see some act of something that's beyond their understanding and they, they worship it or they want to be a part of it. It's not like they're going, Oh, that's evil. I don't like it. They're just saying, wow, I sense some power here. I'm interested in this. And I think that's, you could say that is kind of what religion is for a lot of people. So anyway, that's not really what the one power is about, but I could talk about this stuff all day. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, like we don't really need to go down the whole pathway of religion. Um, what you got next for us, Verge? Well, I'm having a really hard time coming up with the next question because there's currently a kid at the fence is recording outside and he's just <laughs> spraying a water gun through and we have no idea who this child is. And I'm pretty close to asking Sean to get the garden hose and get this kid back. So, Oh, jeez. Like, I know my neighbor. That is not her son. <laughs> okay, I, I have a story about that. When I was a kid, I rode my bike back and forth between school. And my mom taught me, don't talk to strangers. Like, you know, very important. And uh, <laughs> so I'm riding my bike, absolutely terrified of anyone older than me. Uh, because I was a very obedient little child. And my mom's like, don't even look at strangers, right? So, I mean, literally, like, we would stop at red lights. And she's like, don't look at the cars next to us. That's what my mom would tell <laughs> So anyway, this car pulls up with dark windows right next to me. And I kind of stop. 
on my bike. I'm on the sidewalk and the window comes down and they go, Hey kid, come here. And I, I was terrified, but I kind of edged closer. And then these teenagers pulled out these like super soakers and just <laughs> soaked me and then drove off laughing. I am still, but like, how much do you want to bet that your mom paid this guy? <laughs> Yeah, this was just teaching you a lesson. That's all that was. It was a lesson. It was a lesson. Oh, geez. So, you know, I'm I'm absolutely terrified of cars like that now <laughs> to this day. <laughs> it's like a drive-by soaking. Like, these, they 100% got you. That is, that is amazing. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, right. So, with that and the child now gone from the fence, uh, Verge, any other kind of lingering questions on your mind or are you okay if we wrap this up how you feeling yep full again wrap her up <laughs> wrap it before you tap it <laughs> come here come here for your sex ed kids <laughs> i have to say i listened to the episode where you guys were talking about feminism and the wheel of time and and I really appreciated, Verge, that you were just kind of sitting back and letting everyone else talk. And you were just like, yep, this is all good to hear. Like, I realize as I listen to these things, it really does expand my understanding of the world. Like, you know, I'm a white male in the United States, grew up religious. Like, I have a very narrow view of the world in a lot of ways. And one of the things I love about The Wheel of Time, aside from the story and um, everything, is the community. It opens my eyes to things that I've never had to consider before, you know, talking to lesbian nerdy about transgenders or hearing you guys talk about, see, I always thought, oh yeah, the wheel of time is a matriarchal society. And I even said that in one of my videos and hearing you guys say, well, that's not exactly true. I'm like, oh, I need to rethink this. And so this is what I appreciate about this is applying something that's fun for escapism to reality and improving ourselves. And I feel like this community more than any other community I've been a part of does that for me, which is such an awesome thing to be a part of so anyway yeah i can say after that episode once we uh we shut down the old uh, zencaster <laughs> verge just said you know because uh, he you know he talks he talks for a living to people and he said there are times when it is better to sit down and shut up and say nothing and this was one of those times that's good Mouth, uh, mouth closed, ears open. <laughs> I, I learned a thing or two. I, I, I need to apologize to my wife more, apparently. <laughs> All right, Lauren. Well, thank you again so, so, so much for coming on. We're definitely going to have to have you back when uh, when the show drops later this year. Fingers crossed yes. to talk about SFX um, with us uh and get down and dirty into the actual show details and not just you know <laughs> sit here theorizing yes. on a saturday afternoon mm. um so lauren you can be found you've got your own discord which i'll link in the description you're on twitter obviously your youtube channel unraveling the pattern everyone go check that out if you haven't i also don't know who would be listening to this podcast if they don't already know who uh, unraveling the pattern is but you never know uh and do you have an instagram I am, but I don't use it much. But yeah, I have a Insta handle. Yeah. And uh, do you want to let people know what to expect from you next? What's coming down the pipe on your channel? Uh, well, like I say, I'm doing a breakdown of that recent Trolloc uh, video. I go into the dress on Maureen and I talk about all the things. I, I try to be sort of like the comprehensive one. The one that tries to touch on everything I possibly could about all these things. Because I hear people on different podcasts and things address different things. 
And for me, the goal is to try to be uh, more comprehensive about it. So that's coming out probably today. And then just a lot more Watt 101 videos. My next Watt 101 video is specifically about the five powers. And to be honest, it's mostly regurgitating a lot of the stuff I talk about in that deep dive video, just breaking it down into smaller bits. Um, I plan on doing more character focused ones. One about Moraine and Lan is coming. Trollocs and Shadow Spawn, that one's coming. A lot of good stuff. I'm excited. As are we all. Um, you are unparalleled, sir, when it comes to the quality of your videos. Uh, Feather and Mountain Podcast it can be found on all major podcasting platforms. Now that I talked to my good buddy Wang over at Anchor, who got us set up on Apple. <laughs> Thank you, Wang. Um, you can uh, reach us on Discord. We're in the Wheel Reads uh, Discord server, just a little nook there at the bottom. Obviously, we're on Twitter, Feather Mountain Pod. Um, we're on Instagram, although not like super often. And you can email us at featherandmountainpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, send your hate mail to thumbsbeforefingers at fistyourself.com. I think it's .org. Yeah. Yes. Sorry. .org. <laughs> and with that, we'll bid you adieu. Bye. Thanks. Abiento.